0: Hello, and welcome to Rainbow Road. I'm Travis Ryans. I'm your host. I am an assistant director in the film and television industry.
1: I'm Michael Dineen. I'm a queer gamer and sociologist.
0: And joining us today are Vivian Ming. Hello, Vivian. Hello, hello. And Mackenzie Easton. Hello. Mackenzie has two of her own podcasts, including Rainbow Connection, a Muppets podcast, and video games, the movie, the podcast. Yes. So, so far in this podcast, we've talked about futuristic robots and mythical creatures. But today, we're going to talk about something a little simpler. Ideally, I would love to give you the established name for this genre, but the gaming industry is notorious for naming these things after games that have already invented the niche. This nomenclature has left us with unhelpful terms like Metroidvania, Souls-like, or my favorite, how adventure games are named after an actual game called Adventure, instead of the adventures that they take you on. So, for lack of a better term, today we will be discussing what I like to call slice-of-life gaming. In these games, you're asked to do simple everyday tasks like gardening, decorating, or just checking in on your neighbors. In a world where we need escapism now more than ever, we're going to be exploring the banal and mundane. So, we'll start with you, Mike. Mike, you said this is a genre you're not really familiar with? Yeah,
1: no, I don't really play a lot of, of everyday gaming games, and, and I think it's for that exact reason. I feel like, why would I, why would I make a garden... In Animal Crossing, if I could just make one in real life. Not that I would, I just mean (laughs) that I, I haven't. I can't.
0: Okay, well, hopefully by the end of this, we're going to win you over. We're going to convert you. You know, the, the brainwashing starts now. Yeah,
1: no, convert me. I, I'm coming into this open-minded, open-hearted. I'm really curious to see
0: what uh, what comes of it. Okay, good. All right, so Vivian, what games come to mind when I bring up this idea? Like, what games do you play and what do you think of when I when I say this?
2: Well, right now, I think of Animal Crossing because New Horizons just came out last month and it's all I've been playing every day for the past month. <laughs> Stardew Valley is a uh, pretty popular one,
0: I believe. What about you, Mackenzie? What, what do you think of when I say slice of life gaming?
3: I think those same like core ones: Harvest Moon, Animal Crossing, and Stardew Valley. Now, but also there are some like elements that get put into a lot of other games. Like I've been playing a lot of Persona lately, and all of those have big chunks where you're just at school and hanging out with your friends, and you're not really doing anything. But it's like my favorite part of the game. It's just like, I'm going to go hang out with Ryuji now. Or there's a game I played growing up called Chibi Robo. And it's weird because you're a small robot, but 90% of it is chores.
0: (laughs) funny you mentioned persona i hadn't even thought of that but now that you say it i think about fire emblem three houses and me teaching my students uh it really helped me develop like a personal connection with them and i'm like i would protect these students till their deaths i, I the rest of the world can burn but don't touch my students travis
1: how about you which uh which everyday games
0: uh, have you been into um pretty much the same as what you guys have listed i haven't started animal crossing yet because i'm kind of worried about the black hole that will suck me in if i do
3: <laughs> fair
0: uh, definitely The Sims. I played a lot of that growing up. Definitely Stardew Valley, um, Harvest Moon, uh, even though Stardew Valley is the better version of Harvest Moon in every way possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- those are kind of things. And I I see a lot of other ones and I'm kind of curious to see what those are like and why they have such a big appeal. Like, I think it all really started with The Sims. I think that was the one that kind of put it into the public consciousness and kind of had this sort of objective gaming idea mm-hmm. of just... A sandbox where you kind of let things happen um the sims was released in 2000 and it was a game developed by someone who had lost their home in a fire really uh so the way that yeah so he was trying to sort of rebuild his life wow and he was trying to think about what do i need because he'd lost everything and that idea sort of led him to join it with maxis and do the the game uh the sims based on you know the other games in the franchise like sim city um and what do people need what is the mark of comfort of success of you know what makes a life that's crazy i wasn't there something about it like
1: he originally started it as like a like an architectural program like the 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 sims themselves and the and the furniture and stuff didn't that come like secondary?
0: Uh, interesting. I don't know. That's I'm just looking at like the research I had done and that's what Maxis advertises. Maybe they that's the story they want to tell. Oh, I see. Are you
3: thinking about Sim City?
0: Oh, maybe I'm thinking about Sim City, yeah.
3: I mean, it is a, a like split off from that Sim City kind of like mm-hmm. Yeah, Sim
0: City definitely came first.
3: So it was probably originally supposed to be like a slightly smaller scale version of that and then they went very narrow with mm-hmm. like No, you're just going to control Bob here until you get tired of him and set him on fire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or drown him in a pool. Yeah, you put
2: him
0: in the pool, take out the ladder. Yes,
3: you can't do that anymore. Yeah. They know how to get out of pools.
0: It's so disappointing. Would, that's like a staple of the f- series. Why would they take that out? <laughs>
3: Isn't that it's so messed up as
2: kids? We're all just like, let's all put them in pools and take away the ladders. Watch them die.
0: Yeah, and then your pool is haunted forever. <laughs> I
3: blame my older brother.
0: I mean, that's how I played with my dolls as a kid. Okay. So, I mean, this is not...
3: Ninety percent of the Sims is character creation, and the other ten percent
0: is murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the tagline for EA. That's what they how they should be marketing this. <laughs> I
1: was gonna say, you know how they have that EA Sports intro, where it's like EA Sports, it's in the game. Mm-hmm. They could be like EA Games. 10%. No, you know what? It doesn't flow as well as EA Sports. Never mind. All right. I I retract.
0: <laughs> I think if you said it in Simlish, if you said, <laughs> it would have been fine.
1: Did you ever watch the videos of the voice actors recording in the studio, the lines for that game? Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. No.
2: Oh, my
1: God. The blooper reels are hilarious. It just looks like they're having such a blast.
3: Or having a stroke, depending on, on what you're listening to. <laughs> it very much reminds me of the video I saw floating around a few years back of, like, what does English sound like to non-English speakers? And it's just like, oh, it just sounds like Simlish.
1: It answers that question. Wow. I You know what? I never thought about that. It definitely must. I,
2: I believe that was the intent with Simlish. Like, it's not supposed to be... Uh... Something you can understand, but it sounds familiar.
0: Mm. I think I actually remember seeing a video online. My boyfriend is really into linguistics and stuff like that. So he watches a lot of YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. He was watching one and they had said that they change up simlish based on the language you're playing in. Mm -hmm. And they have different phonemes and things that are supposed to sound familiar to your ear. Mm -hmm. Uh, So simlish is actually different in every language, which is kind of funny the kind of effort that they put into that to make that seem familiar to you.
3: They actually do the same thing with the Animal Crossing nonsense language between English and Japanese. It's got different phonemes depending on where you're at to sound more like gibberish that you understand.
0: Mm. That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm.
3: That's really important because people really on a fundamental level are used to whatever languages they speak from an early age. Like babies cry slightly different depending on what language they're exposed to in utero. It's very ingrained Mm, i think
1: it's annoying no matter which language it it is though
3: (laughs) fair.
0: somehow it's more annoying in french i don't know just it is you think a french baby is more annoying no i just think in canada we have to teach our babies to cry in both french and english so (laughs) (laughs) uh so when it comes to the sims do you guys feel like it is just playing dolls for grown-ups or can you think of something that really attracts you to it or attracts other people to it beyond just dollhouse
1: there is something to be said for the use of your Sims as an avatar. Like, I think that having that character to sort of, like, put yourself into... Because, like, come on. You're playing The Sims. At one point in the game, I, I almost guarantee everyone has made a version of themselves in the game, right? You got? Did you guys do this? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah?
2: hmm Totes. i made my family, yeah.
0: For Travis, did you do this? I actually didn't. Um, maybe this just speaks to my extremely low self-esteem as a kid, <laughs> but I wanted nothing to do with me. No? I wanted it to be other people.
1: Okay, well, I... Wow. All right, maybe All right, my theory is just blown out of the water.
0: I'm an aberration, so don't.
1: But <laughs> well, I just feel like it's it's like you kind of want to see this uh this like bizarre world of your own life a lot of the time and and you know, maybe that is part of the whole like playing house thing. So I I don't know. You know, I don't know. What do you think?
2: I mean, like yeah, for some people definitely it's playing dollhouse, but I, I... I watch a lot of Sims videos, and there's a lot of different type of players. I mean, there's players that solely focus on building houses, right? Um, People that really focus on character creation, and then there are people that play out actual lives, and then there are are the people that are playing dollhouse that just want to kill everyone, (laughs) as usual.
1: Suddenly, we're all the villain in Toy Story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's something in it for everyone. Or maybe 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 I have a uh, uh, different definition of playing dollhouse than other people.
3: I think you've got a really good point there that there's a lot of different play styles that you can really get into on The Sims. Like, there's not any goals and there's nothing really stopping you from doing whatever you want. So you can really dig into whichever chunk of it is the most appealing to you. Mm-hmm. And there is a really good fundamental base for Like emergent narratives in The Sims weirdly because you don't control all the variables and your characters are really stupid by default. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff happens that's very entertaining and the world is just slightly too crazy to maintain a like this is just a singulacrum of like my perfect life because eventually your best friend's going to get like abducted by aliens or something or die (laughs) in a kitchen fire. And there's nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. It allows you to both be God and be surprised, which is pretty entertaining. (laughs) Also, you know, character creation. And it's a good fan fiction machine. If you just want to shove all of your favorite characters from something into a house together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you mentioned the sort of the emergent variables that can come from it, and one of the urban legends that I've seen from people is uh, about its queer characters. So originally in the 2000 versions of The Sims, you could have anyone move in together and they could develop a romantic relationship. They couldn't necessarily marry, but the game didn't really care about whether characters were married or not. It didn't really functionally make a difference other than the quick little cutscene of them getting married. They did eventually develop that in Sims 2. You could have civil unions, which, yay, uh, and then that turned into full-blown same-sex marriages. One of the interesting things that came it was an urban legend among queer people about the fact that if you developed one of your player characters to have a same-sex relationship, that drastically increased the odds of of the other NPCs in the neighborhood forming same-sex relationships. But that was something that you sort of had to push the game to do. If you weren't getting involved in those relationships, it wasn't going to show them to you. Mm. Hmm. Which is kind of interesting for like queer representation in that we did have that ability we did have something that we could explore but also the game wasn't going to expose you to that unless that's what you wanted you know that's that's fine not in this neighborhood
3: (laughs) it is interesting that all sims are bisexual by default is i believe how they've phrased it before and that's a choice that they super didn't have to make in 2000. So it is kind of nice that you can even have relationships like that. It was probably one of the first games I ever played where you were allowed to not be
0: straight. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you also mentioned the character creators, um, that Sims has really been pushing the envelope with that. We mentioned in Temtem uh, about the sort of transgender and non-binary options. And Sims has pushed it even further because there's so much that goes on in a day-to-day life that does affect someone who is trans. Um, Of course, I'm inferring here. I have no idea myself, but this is what I've been told and this is what I'm observing. Uh, And in the character creator, you can choose their presentation. You can choose whether they stand or sit down to pee. You can choose whether they get pregnant or they get others pregnant or not at all. (laughs) And they give you a wide variety between clothes and bone structure and makeup and facial hair, uh, and all the things that you can do. Um, so it is kind of interesting to see how this slice of life game has actually been one of the most progressive hallmarks of the uh, of the industry. Um, did you guys feel like that was something that really helped you, or
2: it was? It wasn't until Sims Two that I realized that I could um, develop same sex relationships in the game. And it w- I remember distinctly, it's I first booted up the game and then one of the first pop-ups it gives you is like someone's gonna match you on a date, like a blind date, it's like, and then you get the option, do you want a male or a female, I'm like, and I I was, I sat there stunned, I'm like, I'm not sure what age I was when I played it, but I was like very curious. I don't, I don't know if I was aware that I was this gay back then, but I was like, I really wanted to pick the female option. And it, it it was just something that never crossed my mind as possible. And I think that really helped. It really made me... Are
1: you saying The Sims made you gay?
2: Oh. oh. <laughs> You're like, it, this option never really occurred
1: to me until I played The Sims.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe... <laughs> maybe my life of queerness began with the
3: sims you wouldn't be the only one
2: (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i think that's really important in its own way like i mean maybe without the sims i would have gone even more years without realizing that it was an option
0: you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that that was able to do that for you. Uh, Mackenzie, did you explore a lot of same-sex relationships in The Sims?
3: I don't think I explored a lot of relationships in The Sim because I was mostly very focused on character creation and building. That was kind of my focus when I played a lot of The Sims, but I grew up in a really, like, forward-thinking-ish household considering, you know, small-town Saskatchewan and whatnot. So it was always, like, Very happy to see queer representation, even before I realized I wasn't straight. (laughs) Uh, So I really always was super excited when a game, and especially The Sims, had really normal queer representation. The thing that I liked most about The Sims and how it handled same-sex relationships is that, for the most part, it didn't really seem to give a flying toss, which gender of person you decided to romance. Everything was treated basically the same, and none of the other characters really noticed Unless you were stealing someone's wife. <laughs> 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 then they just don't like you stealing their wives, which is not fair, really. <sighs> the only thing that's missing from these games is allowing like multiple triads of people hanging out together, but we're still a while out from that, I think. <laughs> I
1: think in an upcoming <laughs> expansion
0: pack, you can have orgies.
3: Yeah! <laughs> i mean
2: there's mods for that i mean i assume there's mods for that there's oh you assume
0: sure babe you don't know for sure you didn't look them up you didn't download i actually them.
2: don't i know no, i know i hate downloading mods because it's just uh, that's just typical lazy me it's not <laughs> not that i'm not interested it's just i can't be bothered to deal with the headache of mods
0: you can't be bothered to deal with the energy it takes to make a mod or the energy it takes to set up an orgy which which to of set
2: two? up it and install it yeah, yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> you know me, uh, lazy.
1: I get that. There was only one that really made it for me, which was I was slash am a huge Star Trek nerd. Mm. And uh, there was a mod where you could have uh, Star Trek in the in the show. They have these replicators so that you don't have to, like, make food. It just, like, appears. Oh. And so I, I installed this mod that allowed you to have these replicators from Star Trek, like, in The Sims. The Sims were living what would have been my best life with these replicators, because just, I feel like that's the biggest problem for me on a daily basis.
2: Oh, food? Yeah. No, when you're explaining replicators, I'm thinking about um, Spy Kids. When, yes. When they just put those packets into, like, that microwave-looking thing.
3: I had the exact <laughs> same thought. A full-blown
2: meal comes out, and I'm like, that, that is the best life. That movie was so
1: good. I loved Spy Kids. That whole series, really. Spy
3: Kids is a great time. It's on Netflix now.
1: We re- re- what were we talking about again?
3: Yeah. Spy <laughs> <my> kids. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, Mackenzie, what was your uh, what was your gaming experience like uh, growing up in that environment? Were you like, were did you know anyone else of you know growing up where you did?
3: I had two brothers, luckily, uh, older brother and younger brother. So I got into a lot of stuff that was a little bit older than I probably would have played. Like I'm 24, but I my first gaming console was a Nintendo 64 because my older brother had it, and I played pokemon crystal which is like i couldn't read when i started playing pokemon but i i figured it out (laughs) how did you how
1: did you play those games
3: yeah how do you yeah i think i learned to read playing pokemon oh Oh, wow
1: wow. (laughs) that's cool my
3: mom was an arcade rat in the 80s so we got a lot of video games Wow, that's cool
1: so you you basically is your life kind of like the female version of of tron legacy
3: (laughs) (laughs) a little bit but not quite so hardcore she Mostly just got really angry playing Frogger and Pac-Man. Cool.
1: <laughs> Um, uh, Travis, in uh, in TamTown, you said there's there's a lot of customization options. I didn't know that you could... That seems like an inundating amount of choice to me. Like, I, that's another thing. I feel like that adds a level of tedium that I just, like, I can't get on board with. Like, I just... I don't want to choose the eyebrow length and, like, the neck height of my character because <laughs> I feel like I just get exhausted by the amount
0: of decision-making. I can't even... I, oh, yeah. I can't even pick a pair of socks in the morning. You have to understand how much this appeals to the queer community, though, because, like, having eyebrows on fleek is (laughs) crucial to so many of us. It's one of the core tenets. That form of representation.
3: (laughs) I read an article
2: maybe last year about Sims and how the whole same-sex deal even started. So when they were creating the game, there was a lot of back and forth as to whether or not they should include uh, same-sex romance options. I think ultimately they decided not to. They didn't want to get that backlash. And it was only added into the game because a new developer on board, I think he was gay, but don't quote me on that, but his supervisor went on vacation, so his boss needed to give him something to do, and he gave him an older design document where same-sex romance options were still on the table, and he was tasked to uh, build out social interactions for the game based on that document, and at the time the boss didn't think that this new developer would be able to do it, but lo and behold, he was able to, and he designed basically the social interaction system with queer options. I think no one really noticed, or no one cared to comment, and they all thought that EA would take it out of the game anyways, or that The Sims wouldn't even launch. I think that was... EA was never really invested in The Sims, but at E3 they were supposed to plan out these scenes they were going to show, and one of them included a wedding, and what happened is that during that scene, two female NPCs developed a mutual attraction uh, and kissed. They stole the show, basically, and they never intended for that to happen, obviously, but then they couldn't really take it out. And that's how it came to be.
1: All because one developer guy, he didn't get the memo and it just got left in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I, I just think that's really interesting. Like they never intended it for it to be there. I remember reading about how before they made the decision not to include it, they were talking about how they wanted it to be as realistic as possible to real life, Mm -hmm. which would uh, include having those options. And I'm glad that someone... Fucked up along the way and and added it back into the Mm -hmm.
0: game. I'm sorry, Viv, are you saying gays were a mistake?
3: oh don't put
0: words in my mouth please (laughs) you
1: heard it here folks
0: (laughs) Uh, i want to jump back to something Mackenzie had said earlier about growing up in a a small town but still being very forward thinking and i'm going to use that as my segue to move on to the next game i want to talk about which was stardew valley yes stardew valley was released in 2016 by eric barone i'm hoping pronouncing that right uh also known as concerned ape uh It is an incredible game based on the Harvest Moon series. It is kind of a ripoff of it, but also better than it in every single way possible. Um, and was released by one person. One person made the entire game that we see now, which has been so popular. It sold over 10 million units between all of the platforms it's available on. Um, And it is also something that I would put in this sort of of slice-of-life gaming, where you have inherited your dead grandfather's farm, you've come from a big city to take care of this small-town farm, and it's kind of like, almost Schitt's Creek the video game? (laughs) I don't really know how else to put it. You have come from a big town, um, and you're now having to deal with all these small-town folks, and uh, they are weirdly progressive and accepting. And it's kind of lovely. Also, there's a wizard. Yes, and there's a wizard. So I guess that's Moira's character. I'm not really <laughs> sure. But did you guys play Stardew Valley? What about you? Mike, you said you haven't played it, right? No, I have not
1: played Stardew Valley. But, you know, I do. I like the explanation of the game. And I did, I did enjoy Harvest Moon when I played that game.
3: It's Harvest Moon, but like a little more complicated and gayer. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> but see, I wouldn't call
2: it. Ga- well, I never played Harvest Moon, but I just assumed there was only... Uh, heterosexual options, but I wouldn't call it gayer. I just... Uh... Uh,
3: Harvest Moon, I grew up on the Harvest Moon games, and if I can make a little sidetrack here, some of them did have queer romance, but only in Japan. So I had Harvest Moon DS Cute. That was the one that I probably spent the most time on. And in that one, all of the female to female romantic sequences are still in the game you can still access them not even through cheating it's just that it never lets you get to the final sections Mm -hmm. in the Japanese version they allow you to become best friends with your female partner and adopt a (laughs) child together which is just you know marrying them it's exactly the same functionality Mm -hmm. uh in the North American release, you can trigger all of their romantic cutscenes. You can just can't propose no matter what you do, which is very interesting for someone who didn't quite realize they were bisexual playing it and getting to be real <laughs> close friends with a lot of girls in town.
2: Gal pals? Gal pals. That, I think that's the term these days.
3: <laughs> I would recommend if you're getting into Stardew Valley, though, I have found it a little, it's got a bit of a stiffer entry than Harvest Moon, in my opinion. It's a little bit harder to get into because i'm okay with a stiff entry it's a (laughs) that's yeah that's on me (laughs) it's a little bit trickier to get into because it's a little more complicated than harvest moon has been
0: yeah it, it definitely has more going on certainly inside of it um you know you've got mining and wizards um, and you can really get involved in the relationships with the townspeople, including like romantic relationships uh, with all of the townspeople, uh, regardless of their gender. Which is again, yay, yay for queerness in small towns. So, Viv and Mackenzie, you've both played it. uh What did you guys think of the game, Vivian?
2: I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, but I'm also a big fan of slice of life genres in games or or, or shows in general. This also goes into Animal Crossing, but the, I, th- I think there's something just so cathartic about clearing weeds. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is, is that not... Maybe maybe that's just me, but... I
0: play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time when I want to clear weeds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but even Zelda, I'm like... I, 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 if I see a patch of grass, I have to slash through it. All those poor Pokemon. <laughs> I never really played it for the social aspect, um. So it's,
1: it sounds like it sounds like you play that game like an introvert. Like you just shy. You like I
2: do. I do.
1: Your character enjoys just like I just pull the weeds and I clean and I, I don't really talk to the townspeople. <laughs> even though you said they're they're progressive oriented, like they're kind of. Well, and
0: the fact that everyone can have these same sex relationships and no one seems to mind, no one seems to have any problem with it. Wait. So hold on, Travis. Are there are there ambient same sex
1: relationships in the game? Like are there are there NPCs who are just like no?
0: There isn't. There's no NPC relationships. It's just you with another NPC. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, but again, like the, I think that's still pretty progressive to have like a small farming agricultural town um, having these same-sex relationships with your character, and you're still invited to all the town's events, and you guys are welcome there, and you can get married, and you can have a kid, and all of these things. This
2: reminds me of this tweet I saw yesterday. It was like, my favorite genre of games is where homophobia doesn't exist at all. like Because... I mean, why should it? Like, Mm -hmm. I've gone through all that angst in growing up of, like, fearing homophobic parents or just friends in general, like... I'm tired of that. I'm past that. I want to live in a world where I don't have to worry about that anymore. Th- those are worlds that I find in The Sims or Stardew Valley. Okay. Mm-hmm. You
1: know what? I, I feel like I'm starting to understand a bit more why these games appeal to you. Mm-hmm. Like in life, there are these untidy parts of, of our existence. Like, you, you know, homophobia is one of them. Anything that you can really discriminate against. And I think that uh, like any good simulation, it'll sort of train you to for like what to maybe expect and sort of like i think that sometimes hoping or expecting like a best case scenario sometimes leads to these you know self-fulfilling prophecies in a good way where it's like oh i'm expecting my interactions with my townspeople uh being my true self to to go well, and then hopefully, like life, then imitates art in that you actually do experience that that ideal reality, mm-hmm. uh, or just or just pick weeds, you know, whatever you want, <laughs> or smoke weed, you know, <laughs> or or smoke weed. Oh. Can you smoke weed in Stardew Valley? Is, is that a thing? <laughs>
3: no, I don't think so. Maybe there's a mod for that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I think you mentioned something about like the kind of like rough edges of reality there, and I think that's a big part of the appeal of a lot of these like everyday games is that they kind of offer you a control over a nice world where very little can really go wrong. Like, part of the appeal of Stardew Valley and Harvest Moon is this very light strategy of, like, how do you plan out a very good farm? Like, there's zero stakes, but you have complete control over it. So it's really good for, like, I have anxiety. It's really good for anxiety because you have this place where nothing can go wrong and you can control everything. And it makes other people in the area happy when you give them stuff that you've worked hard on
0: <laughs> oh, i guess that is a nice way of looking at it
3: it's just like a very nice place to be and nobody's gonna dislike you for being weird and you can just grow as many carrots as you like
1: <laughs> that sounds amazing actually have you guys seen that show the good place yes, yes. yeah i feel i
3: haven't seen the most recent season though so no spoilers oh,
1: okay no worries i but just the premise of that where it's like we've created the perfect world for you and it's like Yeah, I think that that, that's sort of this idealized version of reality. Throughout the course of this episode, I'm I'm increasingly warming up to the idea of trying more of these games.
3: Plus, I always find the romantic options actually genuinely pretty fulfilling because usually the characters are pretty interesting. They kind of follow anime tropes a lot of the time, but that's not a bad thing.
0: Oh. <laughs> Who have you romanced in uh, in Stardew Valley? Wh- which characters have you chosen to romance?
3: Oh, uh, I usually go for, oh my god, I can't remember her name, Purple Hair. Oh.
0: She's
3: completely crazy. I love her. Yes.
0: Uh,
3: Abigail? Abigail, yeah. She's the weirdest one, and that's my most appealing feature.
1: (laughs) By anime tropes, do you mean, do you mean like the characters are like anime characters?
3: Not all of them are anime tropes, but like, because the franchise started off in Japan, they follow some character types like that. The most memorable romance that I can think of in a Harvest Moon game was, uh, there's a phantom thief who shows up in one of them who like drops calling cards and you can stop his robberies and romance him slowly over like multiple nights in the hidden garden in the, like, top of the town. It's-
1: wow, I need to watch more anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: no, like, phantom thieves are a big thing in Japanese media because I guess that's just a thing in culture
1: in in japanese culture how bit is is japan having a really big phantom thief problem
3: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's a problem they're usually suave as heck and you can get them to like fall in love with you
0: so it's all good
1: wow uh travis what's uh what's your experience with these games
0: i i love stardew valley um it's funny. It, Mackenzie mentioned the sort of strategy of it. It also helps my mental health, especially with ADHD, the idea of having so many things on the go, I actually function better when I have multitasking going on. And I'm thinking about, okay, so I've got this food in the processor, and I need to water these crops, but I also want to hit the mine before the end of the day. And like trying to math that out is something that's actually super calming for my brain, even though for most people, I think it would be quite stressful or, uh, you know, annoying. Mm-hmm. But I also do love the character interactions as well. Yeah. Um, I usually romance Sebastian, who is the emo boy who loves his video games. Uh, And it's funny because I don't want to move to a small town. I grew up in a city. I've always wanted to be in a city. Whenever I go to visit my parents who have moved to a small town, I get a little (laughs) anxious. And I know that you've got Sebastian there. And Sebastian is desperate to move to a big city. He wants out of a small town. But if you do romance him, he has the sort of attitude of, "You know what? This is enough. This life, what I have here, I'm happy. I don't need anything more. I want to be here with you." And just knowing that, I was like, uh. "Yeah." <laughs> so wait,
1: Sebastian gives up his his big city dreams to to settle with you in Stardew Valley? Yeah, he does. Wow. It's a
0: Hallmark movie. He settled, which is important.
1: <laughs> I feel like anyone that dates me also needs to learn that they just have to settle. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, the way you get anyone to like you in any of these games is just by giving them the same object every day in a row until they eventually (laughs) fall in love with you. So I don't know if that works. That
1: seems like it could take a really dark turn.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I had a guy try to do that in high school with me, and I just got really tired of M&M pretzels as a result.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is this all you have to offer is just M&M pretzels? Is this what our life looks like?
3: (laughs) I used to love those things. I'm so sad now.
1: (laughs) He ruined them for you.
3: Yeah. Mm. Not with bad memories, just with overexposure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked about games with queer aspects to them like sims and stardew valley and things like that and then there's the juggernaut that is animal crossing which doesn't really have any queerness to it i don't think nintendo would ever allow such a thing but it's so popular especially amongst the queer community so you know Mackenzie, why do you think that is why do you think it's become so popular amongst queer people despite the fact that it doesn't have the queer elements that other slice of life games do
3: i mean it actually kind of has evolved to the point where it, in the most recent entry it is kind of queer oh really or at least it's more queer than it used to be so in the newest game no character is actually gendered male or female oh, okay by default all of the NPC characters except for the like very central ones are all genderless by default mm-hmm. you can wear any type of clothing from any gender spectrum that you like and no one makes any comments about it and at any point during the game you can change your model from the default male to the default female which aren't labeled that way. They're just styles, not genders. So Mm -hmm. the most recent one is actually this like pleasingly gender fluid experience of just, yeah, you can give that like totally butch looking lion dude a dress and he is gonna love it. (laughs) It's really nice. And it did kind of happen in the earlier games by like virtue of coding In the game, you could like make your own designs, and by virtue of them being your own designs and villagers just picking them up, whenever the jockey penguin in your town might end up wearing that frilly little tutu you designed, and that's totally cool, and nobody ever cares. Oh, that's so nice. It's a welcoming environment. Just Animal Crossing is just filled with cool animals who just like you. I think there's probably a connection between the like huge overlap in the queer community and the furry community on that front as well like probably (laughs) i'm not a furry but all of my furry friends that are queer love animal crossing and i don't think that's a coincidence Hmm.
2: that makes a lot of sense
3: i never thought about it that way but yeah (laughs) there's some crossovers
0: animal crossovers (laughs) sorry i had to uh (laughs) Vivian, can you think of any other reasons why this, uh, this game appeals to sort of the queer market so much?
2: It's not something I ever consciously thought of, but like Mackenzie was saying, like gender expression is a big part, at least for me personally. I've always shied away from typically feminine styles, I guess. Uh, and in Animal Crossing, there's no gender norms. I find that really freeing and being able to just change up my style. However, I see fit how I'm feeling that day. Um, that's what really appeals to me as, I guess, a queer
3: gamer
1: there's a there's a freedom of expression element that exists for you there yeah yeah uh
3: in the newest one there's also at least in the north american version an implication that two of the npcs are in a gay relationship with each other even though there aren't any like romantic relationships in all the rest of the game the lizard and the beaver who come to your towns at times and are male coded are partners and they're also adorable they're fantastic characters
2: (laughs) It's really cute how enamored they are with each other and they gush over each other in the dialogue. They never explicitly name the other person, but it's like heavily
0: implied. It's really clear. Oh, well, that's very sweet.
3: And also Flick is like the gayest character design I can think of. He's like a punk rock lizard with like 16 piercings. And... I want
2: him to move into my island. Like, <laughs> I wish that was an option. I love him.
3: Although I admit when I first saw the character design, I was very excited for this lesbian lizard I'd just seen, but now they're male coded, <laughs> so whatever. I'm not a furry, but I do like lizards.
1: Lesbian lizard? Oh my gosh,
0: the alliteration alone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Travis, how about you? I feel like looking at Slice of Life games, it is still a form of escapism. Um, we did talk about how it's like this perfect community and people don't judge you and things like that. But I think it's also just this idea of a lot of queer people, especially queer low-income people, don't have access to the everyday things that you get to do when it comes to fishing, when it comes to forming a community and forming relationships with people It still is a form of escapism because we don't get to do those things safely in our own world. Mm. And it's really nice to get that experience to feel like we belong in a community and we can go gardening and decorate our house and have a kid and, you know, do all of these things that we get to do uh, without fear of persecution or discrimination or, you know, being othered. Uh, And I think that's kind of what the appeal is for all this right
1: yeah. in- being able to engage in the signature staples of everyday life yeah exactly
2: that's interesting that you brought up having a kid because in the sims like having a kid as any couple is just as simple as deciding to have one and then and much um,
1: like in the sims as it is in real life it's it's a mistake <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's a whole other issue but it's like
1: no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding.
2: i mean you can adopt if uh, i believe if you're same sex or you can mod so that same sex couples can get pregnant but like in real life for same sex couples it's a whole process no matter how you choose to go about adding a child to your family like you're getting either,
0: a sperm donor IVF adopting
2: yeah like it's just a time consuming process it's, it's money consuming it's stress but like in in the sims it's like oh You want one? Okay, you're either going to get one delivered or, you know, you're going to get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. It's just simple. Like,
3: it's not a headache.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to me, it sounds like we're touching on, like, inclusivity and expression are some of the big draws to these games for you guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Expression is definitely a huge one for a lot Mm -hmm. of them is the, like, creativity and the designing and the allowing yourself to just express whatever version of reality you want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A big part of it is also just these games are really relaxing. They're very stress-reducing. They're very calming, even if you're not... Which
1: we all need right now. <laughs>
3: well, we all need all the time. I think especially the queer community when world is kind of hostile to you a lot of the time, it's nice to just have something relaxing to do. Even if you're not picking up on the like queer relationship parts so of the Sims like early on, it's just kind of nice to just have a easy, somewhat repetitive, but unique and exciting task to have that isn't gonna like force you to feel a lot of drama or a lot of sadness or a lot of anger you just get to relax for a while in a nice place and it relieves a lot of stress and that's kind of a big deal for a lot of people.
1: Like a warm bath for your mind
3: yeah, it's a mind bath And also there's a cute puppy next door
1: Oh, there you go Who sings to you on a guitar yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've seen him I've, I've seen him, I know him
3: <laughs> I've got a small amiibo of him in my house Aww. 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 We've
1: touched upon this before But I wanted to bring this up This idea of, of embracing diversity you know, Embracing uh, queerness, inclusivity Because I feel like In order for a game to be successful In today's climate There needs to be these elements in play it's so much a part of the conversation that's happening right now on a social level like do you feel like uh this is in it for artistic reasons could this be like corporate calculated pandering in some way or is or is this like a sincere effort to to really like push us forward
0: i
3: think with animal crossing specifically it was less of a corporate push and more of just a natural evolution of what they were doing already. Mm -hmm. If the game is about building your own island and having your own self-expression and doing things exactly how you want them, putting up blocks like gender segregation doesn't help. Mm -hmm. It detracts from your core gameplay. And they didn't really advertise this stuff at all. It was kind of just a thing that everybody realized when the game came out is that they'd completely removed all gender markers.
1: Interesting. Okay, so it was it was much more of a tacit. It wasn't like one of their selling points. They're not like putting it on the commercials and 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 the, the box and stuff. No. Letting
0: some lesbians kiss at E3. <laughs> yeah.
3: If you want to make an argument for like the inclusivity that they were maybe using as a selling point was more the racial diversity because at default you can like change your skin tone now, but even that was more of like a look at how many different kinds of villagers you can have now thing as opposed to a uh, look we're cool with the multiple races now mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and with stardew i don't even think it's an argument like it was an indie developer he wasn't like some big corporate guy he just was perfecting harvest moon and one of the things you need to do to perfect harvest moon is mean you can romance as many people as possible
1: <laughs> um in these games do you uh do you pick your age as well
3: no you're always a default young adult
1: okay All right. Interesting. Because I'm I'm thinking, like, there are so many of these segregators that exist in reality that don't exist in the video game world. Uh, Like, regardless of socioeconomic status or class, you know, you can still do everything in the game. Like, there's... Well, is there, actually, is there a currency in the game now that
0: I'm, I'm wondering? Is do you have like a? Is there a money system? Yes. Well, Sims have simoleons. Stardew has G, which is probably gold. <laughs> uh, and Animal Crossing has bells. Okay.
3: Uh, and in all of them, the like core repetitive like tasks you're doing so quickly and easily generate money that you don't really ever have to worry that much about it. Like ninety percent of your time in Animal Crossing is fishing or planting fruits or catching bugs or whatever and you sell those and you get more than enough money to do whatever you want for the most part. Mm-hmm. That's
2: also appealing to me a lot as a fan of Animal Crossing because in real life I would love to just buy everything I see <laughs> just because I wanted to
1: have it. Just go shopping. Yeah.
3: It has been so nice in quarantine being able to go clothing shopping in Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. So I've got so many new outfits every day. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel way better.
0: I feel like Animal <laughs> Crossing needs a rosebud cheat. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: God, I abuse the crap out of that on The Sims.
3: You can literally grow money trees in Animal
0: Crossing. It's not trying to stop you what? that hard.
1: <laughs> All right. I, I'm sold now. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to try this game.
0: <laughs> well, now that we've <laughs> officially gotten Mike over to our side, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, before I go, I just want to ask you guys quickly, starting with Vivian. Vivian, what you playing?
2: Well, obviously, I'm still playing Animal Crossing. But uh, this past week or two, I picked up WoW. It's like my second venture into the game, but I've actually gotten into it. So there's a slice of life aspect into it. You can cook if you would like to. Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: That's what I'm into. Cool. What about you, Mackenzie? What you playing? Well, uh, as to be
3: expected, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, Just possibly too much Animal Crossing New Horizons. There's there's no such thing. (laughs) The other thing I've been spending ludicrous amount of time on considering it only came out unlike march 31st i've put over 60 hours into persona 5 royale
0: oh wow (laughs) nice
3: i've never played a persona game before i've never played really any of those kinds of jrpgs but i'm very very into persona 5 royale and it made it less homophobic this time than the first rendition so that's a plus
1: (laughs) (laughs) definitely wow people keep talking about the persona games like just i've heard they they love them
3: they're very uh, very appealing i do wish the game was as gay as it clearly wants to be because <laughs> every interaction between the male characters i'm just like why aren't you guys a couple? Like, you're clearly hitting on each other. Why don't you let me romance these guys? Like, <laughs> whatever.
0: I guess we'll have to get to the Persona series at some point ourselves on this podcast. Hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah.
1: What about you, Mike? What's your plan? What am I playing right now? I, uh, I just got the Final Fantasy VII remake, oh. uh, but I haven't started it up yet, but I'm excited to.
0: Awesome. Uh, I, myself, actually have been playing with uh, my boyfriend. We've been playing Never Alone. Which is a two player sort of puzzle platformer where you play a young Inupiaq girl and her Arctic fox, uh, made by actual indigenous game developers. Uh, and the unlocks in the game, where you find the secrets, are videos about their culture and history, which is really cool. It's been a little glitchy and buggy, unfortunately, but it's still been a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for joining us. This has been Rainbow Road. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Mackenzie, for joining us. Yeah,
3: thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Mackenzie, where can we find you? On, on Twitter and your podcast w- w- tell our listeners I,
3: uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me specifically is at Kenzie Phoenix on Twitter uh, that's where you're going to find me my two podcasts are Rainbow Connection which you can find on any you know podcast place and video game the movie the podcast uh, the Rainbow Connection has Muppets Pod at Twitter and <laughs> I think VGTM Pod on Twitter for the video game one but just Google it because I can't remember
0: the tags very well okay well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Nice, thank you. This has been Rainbow Road. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at RainbowRoadPod or get in touch with us for future episodes at RainbowRoadPodcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kennar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road.